All right. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, uh, CSF, we've got some special guests in the room. We've got some high schoolers coming to hang out. Can you do a warm CSF welcome to our high schoolers? Uh, high schoolers, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're getting a taste of CSF. It's our second to last synergy of the year. And uh, man, it is just sweet to worship with you guys, dive into God's word. Um, if we haven't met, my name is David. I'm the pastor of the students here at CSF. Uh, and I absolutely love what I get to do. Uh, so we're going to dive into that scripture that Olivia just read. But before we do, guys, would you just pray with me? Let's give this time to the Lord. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here right now. Uh, we thank you that you brought this group of people together, um, from uh, high school seniors to college seniors, everyone in between, Lord, just the, the, the beauty that is the community of the church. And so, Lord, we just thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for truth. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for this, this sweet break we're coming up on soon, Lord. So I pray that you would just give us um, your vision for our lives for this next season and uh, keep our eyes and ears open to what you want to teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as Brian just mentioned, it's kind of crazy, but two weeks from right now, you'll be done with finals. That's it. Two weeks. This year has flown by. Now, for some of you guys, you're, you're ready to finish finals. You're heading home for the summer. Maybe you're going on a vacation or two, make, make some money at a summer job, or maybe you're going to work at one of the camps we got here tonight. Um, for others of you, you're about to graduate and you're done. That's it. That's crazy. Your lives are about to change uh, dramatically, both, both high school seniors and college seniors. Your life is changing in different ways, but still there's a lot of change. And I'm sure there's a, there's a really good level of excitement there, but I bet there's at least a little bit of insecurity, maybe a little bit of fear about what comes Next, this unknown you're stepping into. So, um, so I want to walk us through the scripture that Olivia just read because I think it has everything to do with this next season that all of us are about to walk through. But to frame that discussion, um, I want to share different men with a goal, but two very different results. Uh, story number one. The year was 2014, and Virginia college sophomore Danny Foley just wanted to be part of his school's men's basketball team. I'm sure you guys have wanted to be part of the UK men's basketball team, too. How cool would it be just to hang out in the locker room, right? Uh, get on the court. Well, Danny wanted to do that at Virginia, and uh, Danny noticed that all of the team's assistant coaches wore the same suit with um, the same bright orange tie. So before Virginia's uh, conference championship game against Duke on March 16, 2014, he and his friends went searching for some cheap knockoffs. Uh, he found everything he needed at Walmart, a suit jacket, suit pants, dress shoes, dress socks, a white dress shirt, and the orange tie. The next morning, he bought $30 nosebleed tickets just to get in the door and headed to the game. During a TV timeout, Danny made his move, confidently marching down and walking right past an usher and onto the court. Um, Danny said, I walked right behind the cheerleaders and onto the court and joined the team's huddle on the court. Here's a picture of him from the TV uh, <laughs> broadcast. Just walked right into the team huddle, okay? He stayed there the whole game. And after the team's big win, he went for an even bigger thrill. When the game's final buzzer sounded with Virginia defeating Duke 72-63, uh, which we can all get behind a Duke loss, right? Uh, <laughs> 
Danny joined his teammates in the handshake line. As the confetti fell around him, Danny shook hands with Coach K. Here's another picture of that from the TV broadcast. Coach K shaking hands with Danny. Just walking through, right? Um, uh, photos from the end of the game show Danny wearing a championship T-shirt over his suit, uh, smiling in the middle of the confetti-covered area. And after celebrating with coaches and players for a pretty long time, Danny was finally caught by a member of Virginia staff, but he quickly climbed the railings and disappeared into the stands. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I mean, this guy had a for it. Um, he had a goal, made a plan, stuck to it, reaped the reward. He fixed his eyes on his ambition, and he made it happen. But it doesn't always end that way. Here's story number two for tonight. Every year, people from around the world head to Pamplona, Spain, to take part in the running of the Bulls. Have any of you guys wanted to go run with the Bulls? Anybody in this? Aubrey, I'm not even surprised. (laughs) Aubrey Turner, of course. Yes. Uh, So all these people go to this festival, nine-day mix of partying, adrenaline-chasing, drawing hundreds of thousands of people from around the world to this city of about 300,000. Fifteen people have been killed in the running of the Bulls since records began in 1911. The most recent death uh, occurred five years ago when a Spanish man uh, was gored. Bill Hillman is a 32-year-old Chicago-based journalist and a uh, proclaimed expert on the event. He even co-authored a book subtitled How to Survive the Bulls of Pamplona. But on July 3rd, 2014, just knowing about bull running, even knowing enough to write the instruction manual on bull running, wasn't enough. A 1,320-pound fighting bull named Bravito lagged behind the, the pack just before entering the city's bull ring at the end of a rain-slick run in the annual festival. And at the opportune time, Bravito gored Hillman in the right thigh and a 35-year-old Spanish man in the chest. Both men survived, uh, but they were in the hospital for a long time. And the co-author of Hillman's book told the New York Times, and I quote, we'll probably need to update the book now. <laughs> Right, Bill literally wrote the book on surviving the running of the bulls and still got gored. The point, you can make all kinds of plans, have all the head knowledge in the world, but take your eyes off the prize, fix your eyes away from what's important, and you find yourself wondering, where did everything go wrong? How did I get here? Now, this next season, for all of us, is ripe with opportunity. No matter what you're walking into in these next few months, Um, There's something ahead for you. Are you prepared emotionally, relationally, spiritually for this next season? Find yourself on uh, the basketball court in a championship t-shirt? Or will you be nursing your injuries in the hospital like Bill? Now, I believe fresh starts are part of God's grace to us. On May 6th or whenever you graduate high school, there's a blank slate in front of you, a new opportunity. What is your life going to write on that blank slate? Will your life be full of moments pointing to the glory of Jesus? Will you fill your time with discipleship? Will you surround yourself with good community? Will you live on mission for God's kingdom? My message to you tonight is this. Sometimes we believe that we'll just stumble into spiritual maturity and emotional health. Like, it'll just happen if we will it to be so. But I'm here to tell you that we have to make a plan or plan to fail. Make a plan or plan to fail. And before you accuse me of advocating for this works-based faith where we have to earn God's love, like it's all based on our efforts, let me say this. Grace, the grace of Jesus, is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. 
It's opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. There is not a single person in the New Testament um, who made an impact on the kingdom of God by sitting on their couch for a summer and playing Mario Kart. The whole Bible is full of people who made a lot of mistakes, but out of passion and love for the Lord, they found their way back to him and are recognized for their faith. And in our scripture today, the author of Hebrews um, that Olivia just read said, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I love this phrase, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The author encourages the reader of this letter that perseverance is required for this race. And how do we persevere? How does it happen? We fix our eyes on on Jesus, fixing our eyes on the God who put breath in our lungs, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the grave three days later and has a perfect plan for our lives, our careers, our friendships, our romantic relationships. Absolutely. Before that verse, the author writes in, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, if you signed up for CSF discipleship and you were with us back in the fall in, in a core group, um, you know well, we studied this very group of people. Hebrews 11, right before this, this passage, is a passage many Christians dub the Hall of Faith. It's full of people who practiced and showed incredible faith in the Lord, stories we can read and cherish. But the very real truth is that these same people that we celebrate were not perfect, and we can read those stories too. The Bible doesn't leave those stories out and try to paint a good picture. Um, in fact, here's a list of some of those people plus a few others from the rest of the Bible that aren't mentioned in Hebrews 11. Um, but guys like Noah, who was a drunkard. Abraham, who was lying all the time. Um, Sarah, who told her husband Abraham to sleep with other women. Jacob, who was a deceiver. Moses, crazy anger issues, killed a guy. Aaron, made an idol. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied knowing Jesus. Paul killed Christians. The guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament killed Christians. If you are under any impression that the Bible and Christianity is full of a bunch of perfect goody-two-shoes, never made a mistake, you're very wrong. It is full of sinners in need of grace, just like this room right now. One of my favorite reminders is this, because, because how did they get to a place that they were mentioned in the Hall of Faith? And it's this reminder, grace embraced must become grace extended. When we recognize how much grace Jesus has given us, we must be moved to extend that grace to others and introduce them to the love of Christ. That's how we fix our eyes on Jesus. We embrace the grace, we extend that same grace. And the passage goes on to describe why we can find inspiration from fixing our eyes on Jesus in verses 2 and 3. It says, for the gym. You can underline and circle joy in your Bible because this is so important. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, Jesus in his race endured the cross. He willingly gave his life for ours. Why? For the joy set before him. It gave Jesus great joy to persevere and endure for our sake. So let me ask you, are you prepared for your race? Are you ready? Because whether you're ready or not, you're about to enter a new season. 
For every one of you, it's going to look different, but no matter what the next six months look like for you, you have to be ready. So what does that look like? Well, let me, let me ask this. Are there any um, crazy people called marathon runners in the room? Let me see a few of you guys. Okay, we got one. Anybody aspire to be a marathon runner in here? Come on. All right. I see you. Okay. Uh, you can join Josiah on his 5K tomorrow. They're going to run like three miles. I don't know. Some hype city. I will not be there, for the record, um, but cheering you on. Um, I've always been crazy impressed with marathon runners. One of my roommates in college was a marathon runner. I never attempted to do that, but I did come from a background of playing soccer, which to me was my own version of a marathon, because, thank you, uh, Bruce, I appreciate that. Soccer has its own lot, you know, version of distance running, and as I was graduating high school, I was heading to college, I was preparing to play college soccer, and our coach had sent a message to the team, there was 23 of us, and he said, hey, this summer, as you're preparing for our season this fall, when you get to campus in the fall, um, there's going to be a test. You're going to run two miles, and if you don't run those two miles in under 12 minutes, you're cut from the team. Two miles, 12 minutes. Okay, how many of you guys feel confident you could do that right now? Okay, I see. Yeah, all right. So, so I get this, and uh, I mean, I just went into go chance. I'm failing this test, I'm going to, I have to be prepared. And I had an advantage, I lived in Colorado at higher altitude, and I was going to Indiana, lower altitude, so I got to train at higher altitude. Um, but I trained all summer, guys, building lung capacity. I made, I made sacrifices, I cut things, I cut out all soda, all carbonated drinks from my diet. Um, I trained on the, at this place called the Incline, which is a mile long of stairs up Pikes Peak. Um, really intense training. Every day I woke up with a singular focus, prepare for the test. So fast forward a little bit, I show up um, to campus ready for uh, training camp, and we get started in this camp, 23 of us, and I ended up um, accomplishing the feat. I finished in 1120, um, this, these two miles, best, best condition of my life. I could not do that today. Um, and I was so proud of this moment, but here's the kicker. Um, there were only two other guys on the team who did two miles under 12 minutes. Three of us out of 23 people Finished under 12 minutes. Um, so our coach had a decision about whether to follow through on this, uh, on this moment, on this threat. And I think you guys can probably guess what happened. He did not cut 20 people from the soccer team. And he said, okay, we'll just work extra hard at conditioning this fall. Originally, I was super annoyed at how hard I worked to prepare for this test. But what I didn't realize was that I was training for so much more than one test. I was actually training for an entire season. I was in the best shape of my life, and it, it showed on the field. My point is this. In order to run the race with endurance, you have to fix your eyes somewhere. I was fixed on the one test, on getting my coach's approval, and it worked. But we Christians, are, as Christians, our focus is not on the approval of people, but on Christ himself. We, we fix our eyes on him and do whatever it takes to run after him. And sometimes that'll mean cutting things from our lives. Like I cut soda and carbonation. But sometimes sacrifice in the short term means greater gains in the long run. It warns strongly against the sin of lust in the most direct way possible. He says in Matthew 5, 29 through 30, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is using extreme hyperbole to get his point across. If you're really committed to pursuing holiness and kingdom impact and running this race, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Even the Hebrews passage says to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. So let me ask you, what sinful habits threaten to throw you off the race this summer? Identify them. Share them with a trusted friend. Share them with your community. You know what's coming. Share that with someone. Um, The college seniors in the room, this next season will come with its own unique challenges. There's no question there. You're going to have to work a lot harder to find community. Um, Instead of just walking up to CSF on a Thursday night, you're going to have to work harder to find people who are in your season of life, same interests, passion for the Lord, etc. And um, I know that might be intimidating for some of you, but you have been equipped to know how to do this. You have all the tools in your hands to make this happen. Wherever you land, you have to get plugged into a local church. You have to find a good, healthy local church that loves Jesus, has a high view of Scripture so that you can really learn and dive into that community. Um, And as you do so, I'm just leveling with you here. You might get there and be like, I'm the only 22, 23-year-old here who's not married with three kids, and I'm looking around, and who are the people like me? So you might have to start something. You might have to go to the leadership at the church and say, hey, this is the season I'm in. I'm looking for community, and I I need some help identifying what this looks like. The hard truth is that churches don't do young adult ministry super well, but you are equipped to do it very well. And we love hearing from CSF alumni who, who go into this next season running the race, ready to find community, and starting it in their own local churches all over the country. So when you get there, Don't wait for someone to hand you spiritual growth. Don't wait for someone to hand you your discipleship plan, okay? Make a plan yourself or plan to fail. The Holy Spirit will help you, but you got to get yourself on the race track and be ready to run. There's going to be some effort that you'll put in, and and you'll find God's race. Now, underclassmen and, and high schoolers, This next season is a little different for you, but it has just as many implications for the rest of your lives as the college seniors. Now, this summer is a phenomenal chance to dig into discipleship, learn scripture, memorize scripture, maybe try some spiritual disciplines you've neglected like fasting or solitude. Um, On our end at at CSF, if um, if you're around, um, we're going to have lots of stuff going on this summer. We're going to have different summer groups and Bible studies we'll talk about next week. Um, we're going to do a couple worship nights. Um, you can drive in if you're close or whatever. We're going to do a lot this summer to just keep engaged in, um, in community. But even if you're not around here, um, one of the things uh, that we have going on in the house, if you go in in the hallway in the middle, there's a bunch of black tables. We bought a bunch of books um, that we felt like, hey, if we wanted to equip our students to grow spiritually this summer, um, in addition to reading scripture, because scripture is number one, what are some other tools to help you learn and grow in your faith? And so we bought all these books, and I'm telling you right now, we, this is not a profit-making thing. This is not something that, like, we make money. Every book that we sell, we lose money on. And we're completely okay with that because we want to put good resources in your hands. Um, so there's books in there that are, like, a dollar, $3, or $5 on these tables. We also have the bookstore. Like, go buy there tonight when we're done here. Go in there, look at different books, um, grab a book that, that seems interesting. If you, if you want some help picking out a book, grab a staff member. We'd love to help you identify what would be good for you. Um, but there's books that we, we want to get those in your hands. So go and take advantage of that tonight. Um, another reality, if you're going to be home all summer, 
There may be a temptation to backslide into this old version of you that you don't even recognize. Old friends who are bad influences, family tension. Maybe all that can add up to be a really bad combination. So if you're heading back into a tough situation, how are you preparing right now for your race? How will you fix your eyes on Jesus? How can you invite your CSF community to support you or hold you accountable? I want to close tonight with um, a final story about uh, this guy, um, Eric Little. Um, and I, I read his biography years ago, and um, I was so inspired by his story. And I just want to tell you a little bit about what it, There's a movie called Chariots of Fire that's based a little bit on his life. It doesn't go into everything. But um, Eric, Eric Little was born to Christian missionaries. He was a phenomenal athlete. He played rugby for Scotland and eventually even gave up rugby to focus on running track because he was a phenomenal runner. Um, in the 1924 Olympics, he was training, and he was the favorite in the world to win the 100-meter dash. And so he was preparing. Everyone was hyping him up, getting ready for this guy's gold medal. But Eric's convictions around his faith ran deeper than his passion for sports. And with his eyes fixed on Jesus, Eric felt, for him personally, that it would not be right for him to compete in the 100-meter dash because it was being held on a Sunday morning. And he had a conviction that he wanted to be in church, and that was really important to him, and he wouldn't run this race on a Sunday morning uh, for him. That was, a, that was something personal to him. Now, you can imagine the media, even at this time, blew up. They did not understand this decision. They couldn't believe Eric would give up a possible Olympic gold medal because of his Christian convictions, but he remained resolute. And with very, very little time to train, he decided, oh, what other events are going on that not on a Sunday? And he found the 400-meter dash, and he said, I'll do that. And people thought... Okay, you know, you're fast, you could probably do well, but there are people who train specifically for the 400, and it's different than running the 100, so they, they're like, you know, fine, Eric, you can go do this, but, you know, good luck, is basically the message they sent him. Um, well, Eric not only won the whole event and got the gold medal, but he set world records for his finishing time. The media blew little. How can he pivot to a new event with no time to train and destroy the competition who is this new athlete they were propping up and saying, wow, this is, this is a guy we're going to emulate, we're going to follow his career, and the future was bright for him. So you know what he did next? He left athletics completely to become a missionary to China. His convictions held so strong that he was willing to give up his fame and his achievements, his eyes fixed on Jesus, ready to run the race, not the Olympic race, but the race of faith marked out for him as Hebrews 12 described. And so he moved to China. He spent years loving the Chinese people and spreading the gospel um, uh, for 20 years. He even married and he had three daughters while working there. And then around 1941, World War II uh, was starting to make living in China a very dangerous endeavor for British nationals. So all British people were advised to leave the country as the Japanese were closing in and taking territory in uh, China. And Little, with his eyes fixed on Jesus, refused to leave. He knew, without a doubt, that the Lord had called him there for a purpose. He, he sent his wife and daughters away uh, to live in Canada, but he remained and stayed back to help provide medical care for people affected by the war. Um, and he was eventually captured by the Japanese, and he was placed in an internment camp uh, in 1943. And in this camp, uh, he continued to spread the gospel, essentially in prison, 
um, giving medical care to people, taking care of people. I heard a crazy story where um, there was one guy who um, the Japanese had brought in, and they were taking swords, and they were beheading some of these Chinese men. And one guy in this line that they were going to behead um, refused to get on his knees for this, so they tried to do it from behind, and they, it was a bad angle, so they didn't successfully um, behead this guy. I, I mean, this gruesome moment. And so they left him there dead in the dirt. Um, Eric and another missionary found him, um, walked 16 miles with him, uh, carrying him to a hospital where he not only survived and recovered from this event, but then gave his life until his final death. He was so committed to the gospel and then died in 1945, near the end of the war. And according to a fellow missionary, his last words on his deathbed were, it's complete surrender. Complete surrender. Eric Little ran with perseverance, the most important race of his life. So how will you fix your eyes on Jesus? Remember their faithfulness. Uh, Pastor Andy Stanley says, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Your direction, not your intention. So what direction are you heading? Where are you running? Where are you heading? How can this next season of your life bring you closer to Jesus and bring glory to God? What distractions will um, get your eyes off Jesus? Name them out loud to a friend tonight. We've got our, our prayer team, um, and they'll either be back here in the corner or in the library. Anyone with the lanyard is a staff member, or we've got students who are on the prayer team. They'd love to pray with you. You can lift those things up together. Um, it says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective, James 5. But give it to the Lord because you don't need to live in fear in this race. You've got the greatest advocate, the greatest supporter you could imagine for this race. So live in freedom. The resurrection has set you free. Run with endurance. The, mark, the, the race marked out for you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just thank you for grace. Jesus, we thank you that you... You died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the grave three days later. And you gave us hope, not just for this life, but for the next life. And you freed us from the, the worldly expectations on success. You freed us from our, our chasing achievement. And you gave us examples, like in Hebrews 11, of people who messed up, who made mistakes. Sinful people like me, <laughs> who made a ton of mistakes and somehow found the grace of God and gave their life to spreading the gospel. Running the race marked out for them fixing their eyes on Jesus. I thank you for examples like Eric Little and complete spread the gospel. So Lord, I pray for these um, college students, these high school seniors for this next season. Lord, that you just fill them with passion, fill them with a, a laser focused, um, uh, just inspiration for the gospel. That wherever they go, whether they're working at a camp, they're working their full-time career job, in a business office, a law firm, a hospital, whether they're, you know, uh, grilling up burgers at Wendy's, I don't care. Lord, there's opportunities for the gospel in every place that we go this summer. So, Lord, give us clarity of mind to fix our eyes on Jesus, throwing off every sin that so easily entangles. Let's open up to our community, invite accountability, and remember that it is the grace of Jesus that saves us, not our achievements. Lord, we love you. Praise you, in Jesus' name.